Good morning, church. Great to be with you all today. Um, so what do you guys feel or think about the reading today? It seems quite abstract, right? Like maybe you're imagining like what's really happening out there. Um, but thank you, Charlotte, for reading uh, scripture for us. Like what Pastor Wade said just now, um, this Revelation 13 can be pretty intense. In fact, 12 and 13 are known as the theological center of the book, you know, but they are intense, you know. So, yeah, so last week, what I, I, mean, I tried to make chapter 12 meaningful to you guys in the time that we had. And this week, I'll try to do the same. Um, it's a challenge, but God is with us. Um, so just a quick recap, for those of us who missed part one last week, so it's part one and part two, this is part two, okay, here's a quick recap. Last week, our text was Revelation 12, on the dragon, the woman, and the child, yes, and the child. So the, the woman represents um, Israel, and through the woman, we have the child, Jesus, and the dragon is Satan, the devil. And so the dragon got very angry about his defeat. You know, he was thrown down from heaven to earth. He was very angry about that. And he went after the child and the woman, but he failed. So he now goes after the other children of the woman, which is the church, the Christians, the followers of Jesus. See, the dragon wants to trip Christians up very, very much. He wants to make it very, very difficult for you and I to follow Jesus. Then and also now. And... So things are hard not because the devil has won. It is because the devil has lost and he is very, very angry. And Jesus, through John, wants to remind us of that, that he has truly overcome. Okay, and today in Revelation 13, Jesus wants us to know how the dragon goes about doing his thing, his rampage. You know, so, so that we can see through his tricks, so that we are not easily deceived, so that we, we know when we are compromising. What, what, does, what does the devil, what does the dragon work through? We're going to look into that, so let us pray first. Oh God, we thank you for your word. Your word is a light unto our path in so many ways. It helps us make sense sometimes um, of things happening, but even when we can't make sense of it, your word tells us how much you love us and that we can trust you. So we thank you for your great love for us. Amen. Okay, so last week, I put up this slide here. Talking about the dragon, who is the devil and Satan. And here, we see that the dragon opposes God. You know, he accuses, he slanders, he tramples and kills, he deceives. And he can masquerade as the angel of light. And I said last week that today, this week, I will zoom in on the part that says deceives, deception. You know, Revelation 13 is a lot about deception. And if I have to use a, a modern, uh, modern expression to describe what Revelation 13 is all, all about, it is this one here. 
is the ultimate scam syndicate. Made up of the unholy trinity and their minions. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I mean by unholy trinity later on. See, you, we hear a lot about, I mean, about scams going on, right? Do you get scam phone calls? You know, so banks, right? Banks will always say to you like, okay, be careful, be careful, that's not my website. That's not our website, don't fall for it. And I remind my parents all the time. Um, like, be careful, be careful. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm worried that someone may impersonate me, you know, and call them and ask them for money or something like that. And so, scams are scary, but scams can be terribly effective, you know. And do you know why, why scams work? Because they look like the real thing. You know, with the help of technology, you know, it, scamming or imitation has become like very, very sophisticated, you know, so much so that what is not real can come across as very real. You know, and the dragon is an expert in presenting what is not real as real and what is real as not real. Jesus didn't really win. The dragon didn't really lose. Something like that. He loves to whisper those things in our ears. And why? His ultimate purpose is to use deception to get people to worship that which is not the real thing. Actually, it is a great strategy. It is a very effective strategy if you want to create a lot of destruction. Because when people worship anything else other than the true God, his work is basically done. So, I mean, so I, Brenda, okay, yeah, I... I don't want to treat people badly, you know, I'm a Christian and all that. But maybe, so, so it's harder perhaps for the devil to say, go treat people badly. No, 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 I'm a Christian. But get me to worship power and treating people badly, poorly, in order to advance my own cause would become acceptable. Get someone to worship money and the result of indirectly robbing people of having enough would not seem like stealing at all. Manipulation and deceit, that is what the dragon does very well. The dragon is the master of deception, of half-truth. In John chapter 8, the dragon is called a liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in him. And as I said just now, you know, together with his two allies, and their minions, we have the greatest scam syndicate ever. So how does this syndicate work? Do you want to find out? Yeah, you're supposed to say yes. <laughs> um, so let's begin with, who is this beast from the sea? The description given to us in Revelation 13 is um, adapted from Daniel chapter 7. You can go read it in your own time, and I highly encourage you to do that. Now, what does that represent? It represents the Roman Empire and all the, its corrupting power and influence. And we are told in verse 2 that the dragon gave the beast his power, his throne and great authority to rule. Meaning, behind the empire and all the evil systems and institutions stands Satan the dragon. What it is, is Satan working through political powers, social and economic policies of the empire to achieve his purpose. I'm going to repeat that. 
is Satan working through the political powers and social policies and economic policies to achieve his purpose. But that is not to say that you know, all governments or states or government, go governing authorities are bad because Paul says in Romans 13 that authorities that exist have been instituted by God, ordained by God. They are meant to serve God. They are meant to be servants of God. So in the Gospel of John, you, you may remember this. So Pilate said to Jesus, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know I have the authority to release you and to crucify you? And Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Meaning, all authority comes from God, but they can go bad. They can go from servants of God to the servants of the dragon. Annihilate evil in the world and cause things to be very difficult for people like us who are trying to follow Jesus faithfully. And for how long can... can you know, can, can the beast, can the dragon do that? Verse 5 says, for 42 months. Does it seem long or short to you? Any guesses as to what that means? So those of you, you know, some of you were here last Sunday, you might remember that I talked about 1260 days, 1260 days, which is symbolic for the period between Jesus going back up and Jesus coming back again. Or an easier way to think about is roughly between the first and the second coming. So this one here, one, two, six, zero days, a time, times, and half a time. Limit, limited time in Revelation 12 and today in 42 months, they refer to the same time period. Well, 42 months is one, two, six, zero days. See, in this period, before Jesus returns, the dragon through the beast can create a lot of havoc on earth. In fact, so much so that it could seem like the dragon is winning, that the dragon has won. I mean, isn't that what we feel sometimes? Maybe especially lately? You know, like, why does, why does it seem like there's just, just so many bad things happening in the world? You see this part here that says, one of the beast's heads appeared to have been killed, but the lethal wound had been healed. This is a very important part of the passage. This is talking about how Rome almost collapsed when Emperor Nero died in AD 69. And he was a very, very cruel emperor, especially cruel to Christians. So after he died, you know, maybe people thought, well, okay, Rome is going to collapse. But no, under another emperor, Vespasian, Rome came back to life better and stronger than before. So the lethal wound had been healed. It is also meant to imitate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Appeared to have been killed, but came back to life. The lethal wound had been healed. You see, what this does is it makes the empire, this Roman Empire, very invincible, almost immortal. And the dragon is so convincing in masking his defeat. You know, like, whoa, we cannot be defeated. We are invincible. So good at, that the dragon is at that, that. What happens? The whole world followed the beast in amazement, worshipping everything that the empire stands for. 
like violence, like might, like power, like wealth, like status and prestige. And the worship of this beast is described in language that we use to describe the true God. What is it? Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war against him? Does it sound familiar to you? In Exodus chapter 15, Who is like you, O Lord, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? See, this is blasphemy. This is the ultimate act of blasphemy. Denying Jesus as the true king, claiming to be God and demanding allegiance as if one is truly God. See, the beast from the sea demands to be worshipped like the true God. Empire and might and wealth and power and status and prestige and violence, they want to be the, your ultimate objects of worship. And if you don't buy into that, you know, if you don't compromise, there's cost to be paid. It is cost to property, uh, cost to your status and wealth, even cost to life. Sometimes. And so here he's giving the Christians, um, the church, a heads up that things will get worse. And he is calling the church. Calling the church to do what? Calling Christians to do what? To steadfast endurance and faith in the face of immense pressure. You know, although this is like, this recorded many, many, many years ago, I believe that this is a word for us as well. See, this, this beast that just doesn't seem to die represents Rome, but also empires or states before and after Rome. It represents any state, any institution, and any human kingdom that does not operate in full alignment with God's design of the world. And to be honest, we are surrounded by that every day, you know, and in all of history. And sometimes when, and sometimes, I mean, we, we may feel jaded. We may feel so defeated by the power and the realities of the systems of the world that we have stopped hoping and that we no longer want to risk, like, you know, sticking out, uh, sticking our necks out or to stand up for the right thing or to speak for those with no voice. Nah, it won't make a difference. It won't make a dent. Things are just going to be same old, same old. We tell ourselves that, don't we? Or, ah, oh, we better not do that. It might jeopardize my promotion or my career. Or maybe we are resigned to status quo. It is what it is. That's just how the world works. And that would be an absolute delight to the dragon for us to throw in the towel. The dragon has many, many tricks. He could use that to cause us to feel that way, to veer away from the path of our faith. But the dragon, the dragon also has something else. See, you know this whole syndicate? I talk about the syndicate, right? So we have the dragon, this beast from the sea, and there's one more, you know, that will up the level of sophistication. Okay, so if I am the beast and... My forehead says, beast. And I come to you and say, worship me. Or if I am power, 
or I am wealth. And I come to you and say, worship me. I'm guessing you'll probably go, no way. My God says, thou shall have no other gods before me. Well, at least that's what I hope you'll say. Um, see, a scammer will never identify as a scammer, right? I mean, you don't get phone calls say, hello, I'm here to scam you. By the way, can I have your bank account number? So, like, so if you want to, you know, um, scam something, you know, you want to do a good job, right? And so a good, well, a good fake app, right, um, will not look like what I'm going to show you. This basically says, hello, I am a scam app. Please download me. Will you download? No. A good fake will try to look as much like the real thing as possible. So maybe something like this. Can you tell what's not right about this? You're not allowed to look at phones. I see everyone grabbing their phones. Well, let me put them side by side for you. Can you tell? It takes a little bit more work, right, to decide which one is the real deal and which one is the fake one that you don't want to download. You know, all that to say, the point I'm trying to make is a good disguise is very critical in the game of deception. And that, my church family, is the specialty of a beast from the earth. John says in verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming up from the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but was speaking like a dragon. Horns are a symbol of strength, and the earth beast comes looking like the lamb, with the strength of the lamb, you know, able to perform great miracles and wonders, you know, fire coming down from heaven. But you see, this lamb lookalike was speaking like a dragon. See, the purpose is to deceive people into worshipping the sea beast. Rome and all that it represents. The beast from the earth, this one here, is like the packaging expert, you know, and scholars have uh, used various terms to describe this sea beast, like the PR executive, like the marketing ex expert. See, his role is to disguise false as true, half-truth as the absolute truth, and to parade evil as good. Gregor Gregory Beale, um, a New Testament scholar, um, describes it this way. Whereas the first beast speaks loudly and defiantly against God, the second beast makes the first beast claims sound plausible and persuasive. In Revelation 16, 19 and 20, this beast is referred to as the false prophet. And in Mark 13, 22 and Matthew 7, 15, Jesus warned about the false prophets will be like wolves in sheep's clothing. True prophets do what? They lead people to worship the living God. And false prophets do what? They lead people to worship anything but the living God or things that can look like the living God. In the original context, people in the community of believers were actually advocating that Christians worship the emperor. 
It could be due to many things we don't know for sure, but maybe the pressure to conform. Maybe if you do that, if you compromise a little bit, we'll give you some perks. Or it could be due to genuine convictions, genuinely misplaced convictions. You know, especially, you know, things are followed by signs and miracles and wonders. You know, it's so easy to be like captured by, by, by the appearance of it, but missing the voice of the dragon. See, the earth beast is a disguised specialist. Do you think the earth beast is around today? Yes, very much so, and at work. It may not look like emperor worship, but it could look like nationalism or tribalism, where the state or where one's ethnicity is valued and worshipped above the living God. Or it could be unbridled capitalism that we worship. Just think how we subscribe, I mean, even Christians, you know, we, we mostly subscribe uncritically to the values of capitalism. And in the process, missing the voice of the dragon. The dragon is behind the activities of the two beasts, manipulating politics and religion and, econo and the economy to undermine God's good purpose for the world. It is very coordinated. It is very sophisticated. This scam indicates wants to be God. It wants to mimic God. And that's why some scholars call them, dragon, two beasts, the unholy trinity or the counterfeit trinity. The dragon, the sea beast, and the land beast, they form a competing trinity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, as the Son receives authority from the Father, so the sea beast receives authority from the dragon. As the Spirit glorifies the Son, so the earth beast glorifies the sea beast. They want to be God. They present themselves as God. But you know what? They still fall short. You know the number 666, uh, or 666 as uh, Charlotte uh, says it? Um, it's been, I mean, it's associated with the Emperor Nero and also the beast. But it also represents incompleteness. The counterfeit trinity, falling short of 777, the divine trinity. And that's why it's the number of a man, meaning just human, not divine. No matter how good the imitation is, it still cannot make it. But as long as we are in this in-between time before Jesus returns, things will still be difficult for those of us who follow Jesus. Those of us who do not bear the mark of the beast, because the value system of the beast is just incompatible with the value system of the true God. And you know, there will be opposition. There will be resistance, sometimes even death. Jesus himself came under intense pressure from the dragon and the beast. He stepped on many, many toes. He ruffled too many feathers, doing the right thing, saying the right thing, loving the right way. Both the political system and the religious system wanted to get rid of him. And indeed, the dragon pulling the puppet strings behind the two beasts nailed Jesus to the cross. Think, thinking, of course, that he had won, only to realize that he had lost everything when Jesus conquered even death. 
and so too for us who are marked by the Lamb. Opposition and resistance will come our way when we follow Jesus faithfully in the world, trying to do the right thing, to say the right thing, loving the right way. But Jesus, the slain lamb himself, calls us to persevere because he has overcome. And he has promised that he will be with us till the end of the earth. And he has promised to give us joy even in the midst of challenges. And so... I wonder sometimes how much time do we set aside to just adore him, to just gaze at the one who sits on the throne above all thrones. This morning, as I was uh, doing the final prep for the sermon, God really gripped my heart. You know, it's like, oh, I need, I need people to, you know, to really come back to Jesus. And God said, how about you, Brenda? How about you? Have you spent much time with me in adoration? You know why? Because when we spend time with Jesus, something changed inside here. We will find joy that we cannot explain. We will find peace that would seem impossible in the situations that we are in. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, it's the Lord's Prayer, but it's, an, it's one adapted um, by Daryl Johnson. It's one that I feel that is very fitting for us this morning. So, agree with me as I lead us in prayer. Our Father, very close at hand on the throne of the universe, be hallowed your name on earth as it is in heaven. Come, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Be done your will on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day all we need to be your people. Cancel our debts as we have cancelled the debts of our debtors. And as you lead us to the test, do not let the test become a temptation, but rescue us from the twisting wiles of the evil one. He wants us to think that you are not as good as Jesus says you are. All this and more you can do. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So be it. <laughs>